Hallelujah. Thank you. You may be seated. Break every chain. Some of us walk around life like we have no chains. Some of us walk around symbolizing the chain in our, oh, no, this is not what this means. It's my wedding band. <laughs> Just joking. That's a joke, you know. Uh, but, yeah, we, we pretend we don't have chains because we dress nice. And we pretend we don't stink. I mean, we don't smell bad. <laughs> Say that on purpose. Because I use cologne, yeah, two kinds at the same time, one under and one above. That's what we do in the Caribbean. <laughs> but it's feeling like the Caribbean around Georgia these days. You see, it's kind of warm and not much rain coming down, so we got to pray for that. I hear two of our nearby lakes are kind of low from pool levels. I'm learning what all that means. See, the ocean doesn't go up and down that bad, <laughs> but lakes do around here. I would like to continue our teaching, what I'm sharing with you throughout these weeks, based on the person and work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of our Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And in Christianity, uh, uh, we, we know a lot about God, Creator, the Father, Sovereign, Amazing, Lover, the one who extends God's love so that we can be saved and redeemed and restored. We know about Jesus who was the instrument, His own Son who He sent, God sent His own Son so that He will carry our burdens, our brokenness, our sin, our insufficiency, our inadequacy. So that he can carry, literally, summarizing it, our chains and break them. But you know what? Those chains are broken as we believe they are broken. We walk around, and sometimes I can imagine ourselves with a picture of all of us walking around with a whole bunch of chains. Enslaved and dragging. I actually preached a sermon one day in a sanctuary similar to this with this roundabout thing. And when the congregation came in, they saw a whole bunch of luggage throughout the sanctuary. And as I kept on preaching, I'm brewing it now because I won't do it here now. I kept on piling on luggage, piling on luggage, piling on stuff that didn't even belong to me. Piling luggage that strangers gave unto me and I took it on. And I was overburdened, literally with 17 pieces of luggage hanging around me. They were empty. But the symbol of it all, and I was hunched already. And we finished the sermon by taking all the luggage and laying it at the feet of Jesus. But you have to know you're carrying the luggage. Otherwise, you keep on burning it and your back starts, you don't know why. <laughs> you're carrying luggage that doesn't belong to you. So today I want to talk a little bit about freedom. And yes, it's freedom because I insist, and this is my issue. I don't know. I think Onika feels that way too because the way I speak with her, you know, I, I think she feels that way. And, and Onika doesn't know what I'm talking about, but I'll let you know, Onika, right now. You see, I believe, I do believe that if God has poured out His grace, if God, the Creator, the sovereign being of all creations, of all eternity, of all peoples, of all tribes, of all ages, has decided to pour His favor, to be my friend, to give me that hand, to, be, to have my back, my life just can't be a typical boring life of getting up in the morning and going to church. That's not what it's about. I do believe that if God is offering God's own favor towards us, our lives has got to be extraordinarily. That is why you're in satisfaction. 
Because you believe in a God that can make our regular, ordinary lives into amazing, extraordinary lives for God's glory and not our fame or our pride. I believe that. That is why when I was growing up, I did not know that Puerto Rican pastors could not be pastors of a white church. I did not know that. Because the same grace that that white people get, that black people get, I also got. The same power that we all get through Christ, I also got. And, And as somebody told Pam Jones that I was crazy enough to believe when they were checking me around, This guy is crazy enough to believe that what Jesus says is true. Blame me for that. But I do believe that our lives just can't be regular lives from Sunday to Sunday. Maybe you have lived already that extraordinary life, and you're now in your golden years, and you're sitting back and seeing how the waves that you help create are moving, and, and then you can delight in the olden days. Because you have made a difference. You see, I believe that in spite of my own veils, my own fears, I believe that in spite of my own fears, I believe that in spite of my own limitations, God's Spirit can make me free from these fears that paralyze, distort, obscure, misrepresent, and lie to me about God's real life for me. I believe that when Jesus said the truth will make you free, it will make you free, and it is not the kind of freedom that we're going to celebrate in a few weeks. It's a freedom to be what God wants you to be. You see, let me repeat it again. I believe that God wants us to have a healthy and free life, not for ourselves, but so that we can make an impact on the lives of others. But fear is the one that really hinders us. Fear tends to be the one that paralyzes us. Fear blinds us. And I'm not talking about the fear that that we have to have. You see, I'm going to talk about three kinds of fear. Let me get it out there. They all begin with an H. Like a good Presbyterian sermon, you know. This time I use alliteration in my message. So the first H is healthy fears. Can you say that? Healthy fears. Yeah, the fear that you get, you see that little kid in that, in that, that that's in, in the Willis Tower, the old Chicago Tower. That kid is standing 102 stories of a building way up in the air in a glass bottom as he steps into the emptiness of space. That's a glass that holds him. You see, I will do that feathered. (laughs) I think that's a healthy fear. A healthy fear is getting in an airplane that you trust that the guys who are in front of it know what they're doing. We trust because we see them in uniform. But I can wear a uniform too. Those are healthy fears. Fears that, that when we're in the woods and we, we're camping, uh, uh, we know what weeds, what roots, what things to eat. And perhaps if we don't know what we do, we stay away from them. It's called self-preservation. And those fears are healthy. They keep you alive. They keep those around you alive and alert. That's a healthy fear. But the second kind of fear that I want to talk to you is not only about healthy fear. We have healthy fears. Can you say healthy fears? Ah, This second kind of fear is a very different one. 
starts with an H also, and it's called holy fear. Can you say that? Holy fear. Yeah, this is not panic. This is not phobia. This is awe and reverence. Notice the body language. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. This is not the fear of a, of a, of a, of a lion running towards you. No. When Debbie walked in here, this, this oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't know she was looking down. I thought she was asleep. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking, Debbie. You know that. When she walked in here and she saw the sanctuary, the lights were on and everything. She had that moment of, wow, how beautiful. Can you imagine, Debbie, when you walk into the glory of the Lord? How awesome, how reverent. And the body language that we typically had when, when, we, when we are faced with that fear, holy reverence of the Lord, is we want to go down. We want to shut our mouth. The psalmist reminds us. The Lord is in his holy temple. All that is around be silent. That's holy fear. And that fear is good too. Because that's the fear, by the way, that fear is a gift of God. That reverence is a gift of God. Because when you react to that reverence, that awesomeness, that is a gift of God because others who know God, what do they do? They mock. They tout. Oh, you don't do. They fight. They argue. They blame. They ask the why with a fist. Not the why with expectation and hope. See the difference? There is a difference in these fears that are unknown. And then there is a difference in what we call holy fear. You see, holy fear, the scripture says, for the fear of the Lord lengthens one's life. Oh, so it's not only taking care of ourselves, my dear doctor. So it's also taking care of our inner self, our spiritual self. For the fear of the Lord lengthens our lives. But the years of the wicked are cut short. Proverbs 10, 27. The fear of the Lord is life-giving fountain. My goodness. The fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. The reverence of the Lord. Now look at this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So the fear of the Lord goes along with knowing about God, knowing God, because the more you know God, the more awesome you know God is, the more merciful you know God is, the more amazing you know God is, the more reverence and the more delight, the more awesomeness and fear you will have. True humility and fear of the Lord, the psalmists say, lead to riches. Oh, you mean he's not signing up at that guy's university? True humility and fear of the Lord lead to riches, honor, and a long life. Isaiah says, in that day he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge for the fear of the Lord 
will be your treasure. You see, as we learn this holy fear, as we learn to go closer to the Holy One of Israel, to the Holy One of our lives, then we will get to know God. And guess what happens once you get to know God? Your faith goes what? No, it goes up. And as your faith goes up, you will recline, you will rely more in the Lord. Those words, relying and reclining, is what the Scripture calls trust in the Lord. Jesus really said nothing about the fear of the Lord. Interestingly, he didn't say anything, but he lived it. He lived it, and we see it when he lived it, when he prayed, when he sought the Father's will, when he claims that what he sees the Father do is what he does. He lived it when he followed the will of his Father. He lived it when he became the living Word of God. And he lived it when he did fear the Lord to such a point that he humbled himself and accepted the carry the cross. Oh, he tried to get out of it. Don't, Don't take me wrong. He tried to get out of it. But he realized that it was better to fear God and to obey the Lord. And because he feared God and he obeyed the Lord, he went to Calvary. Then God raised him. Then God honored him and gave him a name above our name that all, every knee, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We have been given a gift with healthy fears. We, I, we have even been given a gift with holy fears. But you see, the enemy of our souls, some call him Satan, the adversary, the devil, and our own brokenness and sins breed a series of fears that are hazardous. So we have healthy fears. Everybody, healthy fears. We have holy fear, which is good, holy fear. But then we have the one that cuts us, the one that really messes us up, which is called hazardous fears. Can you say that? Hazardous fears. These are the fears that are sometimes irrational. These are the fears that sometimes are rational, but they paralyze us. These fears, they tend to really, really paralyze, cut us from the knee down. They sometimes uh, convert into hostility, alienation, escapism, and denial. You see, hazardous fears are the kinds of fear that paralyzes us from reaching God's potential for us. These are the kinds of fears that paralyze us from reaching the kind of potential that God wants us to be, not only individually, but as a church, as a community of faith. The fears of people who are different, thus mistreating them and rejecting them. The fear of change. When every day I am finding different things about myself, I better get used to change. It's the new normal. Fear of change, thus opposing at times God's own agenda. Fear of growth and maturity because I'd rather stay the way I'm at than discover who I am as we discovered in class. Fear of uncertainty, thus doing nothing about it because I don't know what's going to happen. What if? And we have a longer list of what ifs than a list of why not. Fear has masks. And we human beings are amazing in developing these masks of fear. One of them is denial. No, I don't have problems with my wife. And six months later, there's a separation and divorce. Oh, it just happened. No, things do happen. And we're afraid 
of really knowing who we are. In class this morning, we were discussing the whole idea how John Calvin, who's the godfather of our Presbyterian faith, the way we understand this brand of Christianity, he would say that, that we can only know God as long as we know ourselves, and we can only know ourselves as long as we know God. He had that circular argument that the best way to know God is to know ourselves. The best way to know ourselves is to know God. And that is his first statement of the Christian Institutes. If you want to find the address, it's chapter 1, paragraph 1, sentence 1. Simple. I can remember that address. 1, 1, 1. Because knowing ourselves is scary. Because if we believe that we are depraved, when we begin to know ourselves, what are we going to discover of ourselves? Are we going to discover how wonderful we are, how great and amazing I am? Somebody convinces themselves of that. I'm amazing. I'm great. You know. And that's all they say. And you can convince yourself of that and do nothing. But what is it that takes us to that extraordinary life? Well, it is confronting our fears, embracing our fears. You see, the more we embrace our fears, the more we're able to go and walk out of them. Let me share now the text. Read the Scriptures. Well, let me share now the text because we're going to see the three fears in the disciples. What are the three fears? Healthy fear, holy fear, and hazardous fear. Let us read the word of the Lord and listen to and for the word of the Lord as we read out of Matthew. It is in your, in your worship guide towards the back. Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27. Then Jesus got into the boat. By the way, Jesus had been healing. Jesus had been feeding people. Uh, uh, hundreds had been healed. The dude was tired. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat, but Jesus was asleep. I told you he was tired. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded. Um, uh, can you all look at me, please? Why are you guys afraid? I wonder with something like that. Why are you afraid? Have you so little faith? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm, and he probably went back to sleep or slumber, but the disciples were amazed. Who is this man? They asked. Even the winds and the waves obey him the word of the Lord. Amazingly enough, you have a situation where they experience all three fears. The disciples were in this boat, and it gets rough and ugly. Now, some of them are sailors. Some of them know about this issue. I'm not a sailor, but if I'm in a boat and it gets wrong, I'm looking at the sailor. I'm looking at the captain, Joan, and if he began to panic, I began to panic. Actually, I was on a flight, and it and, uh, was rough enough. I was sitting way in the back next to the galley where the stewardesses were, and they began to, oh, my gosh, what is this? Oh, and when I heard them panicking, I held to my seat with white knuckles because they're not supposed to talk that way, <laughs> at least to my book. But you see, this is what happens. We are Encapsulate. We are in such condition that we hide ourselves from our fears. But they experience a natural healthy fear. And what did they do as good Jewish men of the day? What did they do? 
Did they panic? Did they jump ship? What did they do? Somebody tell me. They what? They asked for help. To whom did they ask for help? Jesus. They went to God. So this is what? Holy fear, right? Healthy fear, raise the alert. Holy fear, go to the Lord. Okay, are you getting it? Healthy fear, alert. Holy fear, go to the Lord. The Lord's asleep. What you do? Wake him up. <laughs> now, remember, I learned that he never sleeps or slum- slumbers, okay? He was Jesus asleep. So you wake the dude up. And then he wakes up like, what's going on, guys? I mean, he is in the middle of the water, too. That's probably going like this when he's waking up. What's wrong? And then he, now, listen to this. He takes care of the fear first. He calms the water. And then he looks at us. He says, guys, come on. Where's your faith? The antidote to hazardous faith, the antidote to the faith that steals God's potential in our lives and our congregation, the antidote to the fear that paralyzes, the fear that lies, the fear that holds you back, the fear that locks you in. Guess what? What is the antidote? Faith. And how do you grow in faith? Watching TV, the NBA, I grow in faith watching Fox or MSNBC or CNN. I grow in faith fishing. I do that. Riding boats, I grow in faith riding boats because I remember the Word of God, and that's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) There are pictures of me riding boat. (laughs) My latest fun. But that which keeps us back, lies to us, has an antidote, and the antidote is faith. You see, Romans, the apostle says that faith comes by hearing. Listen to this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of the Lord. Another translation says, faith comes by hearing but understanding the message of Christ. Another version even explains it even more, saying, faith comes when you dedicate yourself to God's things. And God's things give you, you. Make who you are. Faith is by hearing and hearing the word. So where do we get faith? Where do we learn how to grow in faith and lose our fears? Tell me. Okay, I'm going to give you three choices, and the first two don't count. Because you must know where is this one space throughout the week that you can come collectively and grow in faith by learning about the things of God. I'm going to say it again. There's got to be a place and space that we can come to church, oh, that we can come together and discover faith, grow in faith, and walk out of there and be that extraordinary person that God's Spirit is moving us to be. First Two count, first two guesses don't count. So the guess is everybody say? Okay, some of you got it. Let's try it again, Edwin. There, there, there. Okay. Let's give him a give him a note. 
That's very nice and sweet. So where is that one place during the week? Give me a scary one. Ah, where is that place? I like preaching that way. Where is that place that once a week we can come that some of you pay to have a professional give you the Word of God to have professionals prepare an hour where your faith is supposed to grow, where you're not supposed to be condemned or feel guilty, that your faith is to be released, you grow spiritually, and you leave not because you're a happy person, but because God has restored you. Where is that place? One, two, three. See you next week. That kind of works. But my dear sister and my dear brother, the power of God is what changes all of that. And there is power in the name of Jesus. And there is power in releasing our fears to God, in embracing them and taking them to the cross. And that fear will be transforming potential. That fear will be transforming opportunity. That fear will be transforming life given experience. Amen.